it's another episode of uh, Not The 92. We've been away for a couple of weeks with the sheer intensity of the National League rearing its head as we reach the final stages of the season in the Premier Division. And my goodness, we have been thrown into a crazy tussle race, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be covering that. And we are recording this as soon after the two cup finals. So the 2020 FA Vars and FA Trophy. We'll find, you can find out if you haven't seen it, who won those games with us here on Not The 92. We'll also be previewing uh, a huge game in the National League tomorrow, which I will be at. And there'll be a Not, Not The 92 extra, a very quick one from me that, at that very venue tomorrow. We'll find out more about that too very shortly. We're also going to talk about the lateral and uh, sideways movement between leagues for clubs in Step 5 after the FA announced the the new uh, promotion relegate promotion schedules. Obviously, the non-league haven't been playing for a long time. Everyone below Step 3 have been stuck in their divisions for a while. So, applications have come in. We're going to cover that and a whole lot more in this show. As always, we'd love to give Moon Party a shout-out. They are the they gave us the intro to the podcast, A Stranger Living in My Head. It's one of the songs that does not leave my head, and it's still there now. If you want to listen to them, they are on Spotify, so check them out over there. You also want to get some of the, the finer kits and the finer distribution of attire in non-league. You can go to Faraday Sports, and their website will also be in our, our main page description. So keep an eye out for that one, too. So I first I must introduce Tom. Uh, we were reunited for the first time on Saturday at a match for the best part of a year, and it was great to see you there, Tom. How have you seen the weekend's uh, events unfolding? Oh yeah, it's been a it's been a cracking weekend. Um, it's it's one of those ones where I, I've got to admit, off the top of my head, this has been the best National League title race in quite some time. I actually remember. A uh, member from Adam Sumpton's commentary uh, on the FA Trophy game this afternoon, him and Adam Virgo were talking about uh, the title race for just a minute as there was a break in play. And yeah, I, Adam was saying as well, it's been uh, the best title race in quite some time. So yeah, obviously more, more as the podcast goes on, we'll go more in depth uh, on the drama from uh, you know this weekend and how it's unfolded in, in recent weeks as well. <laughs> Relentless is a word that comes to my head straight away the intensity um and the consistency on the most part it's been a few little slip-ups there from teams in contention but there, there's been a certain two teams in what is the four horse race um who've been utterly relentless or on a, a you know great unbeaten runs so yeah and as you mentioned as well Ahmed you know massive gain tomorrow we'll get more into that um yeah and it's been a great obviously day today with, with the finals as well um, shame fans couldn't be there. I'm still a bit bitter over that. Actually, I I, I really did want to see um, fans of those clubs there, but unfortunately, that's the decision that that was made. So uh, yeah, it was obviously a tough one for those clubs to take, not to play in front of supporters, especially when you saw, you know, the uh, League Cup final uh, as a, as a test event and the FA Cup semis as well uh, in the previous weeks. But never mind. But overall, though, it's it's been a great weekend. Uh, yeah, can't wait to to get stuck into it and. I tell you what, the, the drama for me is not going to stop. I can see it carrying on. <laughs> it seems endless. This run to the end of the season. We're racing towards May the 29th, which is the final day of the National League season, and by then, a lot of things may have been decided, or will still be on the line by that time. No one's getting relegated this season, but one guarantee is we will find out who will be playing for promotion, but on the final day, but also who will be joining the 
the team that wins the title in the playoff finals for the June 19th playoff final as a neutral venue. This year, it won't be at Wembley, but the National League are yet to decide where that venue is. Uh, wherever it will be, we hope to get, we hope to find out sooner rather than later. So we'll start obviously with the two more important elements and that is stuff that happened, that's supposed to happen last year, happening this year. So this year, we had this year we've been wondering throughout the last six or seven months what's going to happen to the to the four teams that made it to the FA Vars and FA Trophy finals from last season. Well, due to the pandemic obviously raging its re- rearing its head during the month of March in 2020 and intensifying throughout the summer, it led to the widespread postponement of sporting events. And obviously everyone's stuck at home and getting bored watching Netflix on a consistent basis. It was it was tiring finding out if uh, you know, the Tiger King was the, is a better series than, for me, Scrubs. But who knows? Just who knows? In any case, life gets a little bit more interesting after that. We start finding out when the possibility in August, whether the two finals between Hebben and Concert in the Vars and Harrogate and, um, again, Concord take place. They've been on Ted Dokes for a year now, and unfortunately they didn't get to play in August. But earlier in March they announced that today, May the fifth, would be the day, the third would be the day of the finals. So we had two great finals. Tom will have a keen interest in the first one between Concert and Heaven. It's a, it's basically one of the most incredible football matches I've seen at Wembley in my time, you know, watching football. I've attended the last three, and they were great finals. Brackley's wins, Chertsey, uh, Stockton gets into the finals, Craig Bradley Paper Mills in 2018, uh, I think South Shields with Julio Arca winning in 2017. Fantastic achievement in that year. Uh, Tom, speak to me today about the absolute madness that was concert versus heaven today. A great final. Unbelievable. Um, For heaven, obviously... Had to show a lot of resilience uh, coming from behind uh, twice. And for me, what today showed is it was an an amazing advert, not just for for non-league football, but for, you know, for non-league football in the the Northeast region. Um, You know, commiserations to Concept. They they put a a very vibrant display of attacking football. And, you know, they'll be uh, very keen to experience success uh, in the Vars after getting, you know, a taste of life at Wembley. But um, I've got to say, you know, heaven to, to stick in there. You had, you know, Ollie Martin coming off the bench to, to score the winner, um, you know, very, very late on. And, yeah, I think, you know, Kevin Bolam's side, there was certainly uh, put on the ropes and obviously fell behind on two occasions. Uh, was goals... Um, from uh, uh, Ali uh, Ashabib and uh, Dale Pearson, it was um, it was a real, real tough, uh, tough game um, for Hebben. But I've got to give them a uh, huge credit, and um, obviously, in particular, uh, it was a it was a very interesting day uh, for the, the for the Puel uh, family. And uh, obviously, uh, Amar was involved uh, in one of the equalisers um, for Hebben, uh, along with Michael Richardson as well. And yeah, it was a, it it was a day not just uh, for for heaven, not not to forget, um, but for Ollie Martin in particular, you know, to come off the bench, and uh, and score the winner. You know what a feeling that must have been. But I it was it was a brilliant game uh, of football, and 
one which I don't think will be forgotten in quite some time in the non-league world. And, um, you know, for people, you know, not too familiar with non-league football and were watching it uh, on BT Sport, I think would have been thinking, you know, especially people up in those local areas, you know, maybe uh, I'll take a trip, trip to Hebben, uh, Hebben Town Football Club or Concert Football Club. So, yeah, I think they both can be really proud of themselves. Um, I've really felt for, for Concert. It was one of those games where you really felt, um, you know, really felt that it was tough to see a loser because they both put up such a, a great fight. And we'll go on to obviously the, the get FA Trophy happen after that. Similar, similar sort of feeling that, you know, both teams put everything uh, on the line. But, um, yeah, congratulations to uh, Heaven to come from behind twice. Um, that, that takes some doing at Wembley. Great, fantastic final. I couldn't... I couldn't like sit there without thinking what's going to happen next. Concept <laughs> two went in front twice. I thought from then onwards that Heaven would would struggle to get back in the game, but to sneak one in just before the forty-five fifth minute mark, incredible. Oli Martin getting off the bench to win the game. I don't. It may have come off. <laughs> it may have come off the keeper and hit the post and gone in. It doesn't matter how they go in. What matters is that once it's in the net, it's in the net. And my word, did he deserve that. It was an incredible moment for the man. And it shows that, you know, faith came good in the end. Obviously, as you said, commiserations are due to, uh, overdue to the opposition. Of course, put a great effort into going two goals up, twice up in front in that game as well. How they didn't get any further, any more after that is beyond me. But you know what? At the end of the day, <clears throat> Gracious losers, they were fantastic performances from everyone involved in both teams, and uh, it became it, it a recurring theme, Tom, because we have a team wearing black and gold, remotely yellow, winning in the bars, and then we've just seen, I think, uh, an absolutely incredible final between Concord and Harrogate, who Let's not forget, Harriet have just come off of a, of a nine-goal madness against Cambridge on Friday night in there in League Two. I'm sure that Simon Weaver, who will have had his whole focus on this game tonight, and my goodness, we thought for stages today, Concord could have pulled off the impossible. Hundred percent. What I was really impressed with the, the in the first half uh, from Concord was the way they were just making it really hard for Harrogate and, you know, uh, Josh Falcon um, spoke after the game, you know, obviously basking in the glory of, of getting uh, the, the winning goal, which I'll uh, go a bit more in depth on very shortly. Um, but he, he, he was saying that, you know, they got a real rollicking at half time. Um, you know, the standards of Harrogate's play wasn't good enough that first half. Um, but, you know, I completely understand that from, a Harrogate perspective, they they really felt they should have done a lot better. But I'm also going to give a lot of credit for for Concord, um, in particularly that first half. They were brilliant and they did so well to keep it nil nil to half time. And you're thinking, is there going to be a bit of hope? You know, you had the Cowleys as, as pundits, and they didn't hide their bias. And I think even you know Harrogate fans will completely understand that. And you know, they were gutted at the end as well, the Cowley brothers. But also, I think they t they sort of looked at it from the point of view that. Concord can take uh, a lot of pride. But, you know, it might have been a different story if, if Jack Corley had uh, turned that uh, opportunity um, into the back of net from close range. It was a, it was an unbelievable chance. And actually cut to the, the Cowley brothers on the replays, uh, you know, putting 
there, her hands on the heads and, you know, what, what might be a, for a different day. But, you know, Craig Tarragut, you could see clearly they, they came out uh, very, very well. Um, you know, it was uh, Falcom had a, a shot blocked. Um, I thought Beck made a, a big difference. Um, I have to say, he, you know, his physical presence up front um, certainly gave something else uh, for Concord to think about. You know, McPake had a, a shot um, in the early stages. So you could see Harrogate putting that pressure on. And, um, you know, the one big opportunity from Corley, Concord couldn't take. And the winning goal, Jack Muldoon, what a run. I mean, he must be gutted. Obviously, he'd be delighted at the same time, you know, Falcon was down the follow-up. And what unbelievable movement, by the way, from Falcon to, to read that play so well, to be the first to react. And Concord be disappointed with that. They didn't spot the run of, of Falcon uh, quick enough following on to the shot from Muldoon. But yeah, what a run from Muldoon. You know, that um, you know, a run almost from his own half, um, hitting the uh, the post. And yeah, thankfully, Harrogate fell to Falcon. He made no mistake from that. Muldoon could have actually added... Uh, uh, got a goal himself um, in stoppage time. But, um, yeah, Chris Hay, who has been unbelievable in this run uh, for Concord, it has to be said. You know, he denied him. And Hay made a great save from, from Stead uh, in the first half as well. You know, the, the former uh, Haybridge Swifts uh, stopper um, has been so key uh, in this run, you know, with some vital penalty saves, uh, including the penalty shootout against Leamington and the quarterfinal tie against uh, Royston Town. So, I think in particularly, not just the whole uh, sorry, Concord side, but, you know, I think Chris Hay can hold his head up really high, put up a you know great display in goal today. Couldn't do anything uh, about the Harrogate winner, to be fair. But credit to Harrogate. Um, they stuck at it. They, I think there was a confidence the more the half went on that, that they would have the, the more fitness. Um, obviously, understandable with, with Harrogate uh, still playing competitive football. Um yeah, um, first time they won the FA Trophy as well. First time the football f- football league club has won the FA Trophy. Obviously, it's extreme. You know, you know these are you know circumstances which I don't think anyone could have envisioned uh, last year. Um, so yeah, that's a, it's, it's a one-off. This probably there's very you know there's an extremely high chance we won't see anything uh, like this again. To be honest, so yeah, it's a first uh, not just for Harrogate but for a football league club. So congratulations to them. But what a run, Concord run. Um, they gave a really good showing of themselves. They, they still pushed towards the end. They just couldn't really get any clear-cut chances, putting a lot of deliveries into the box. But Harrogate were very professional, handled it very well. And yeah, it was um, overall, you have to say, they, they did deserve to win. But that's, you know, for, for Concord Rangers to, to, you know, get a day like this, um, I think they'll be very proud of themselves. Um, I'm, I'm feeling gutted at the same time. But, you know, maybe we'll see a... Concord uh, there in the near future again uh, have a second crack at it and maybe they might be successful uh, the second time. Absolutely. Big congratulations to both uh, Heaven and Harrogate for their respective victories. They've earned them and deserve all the plaudits for their excellent performance. The commiserations are due to uh, Concert and Concord Rangers. I for a moment today thought Concord were going to do it. They played so well in stages. And it felt, I felt hard for them because it was a terrific performance. 
uh, from all involved. There's so much that they, they could have done so much more. Chris Haig deserved the Man of the Match award at the end for his incredible Definitely. performance. And at the end, yeah, he he deserved. It. He's probably for me. I, I can agree there of the standout from that game yeah. between both sides. Falkingham and his colleagues will get the 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 plaudits and the celebrations of winning the competition. But in the end, brilliant performance by yeah. all involved. So well I, done to them. I thought Hayes safe and Thompson actually uh, in the second half was brilliant as well. And that was a real period where at the time. Uh, you know, Concord were coming under severe pressure from Harrogate, but he kept them in it that at that moment. And you, yeah, I was I was the same as you, Ahmed. I was thinking, you know, could they nick this? But yeah, commiserations to Concord. Uh, and yeah, what what days? Uh, you know, what what days? Football at, at Wembley Stadium, great advert for for non-league football. Um, obviously, Harrogate being a football league team, but you know, you look at Harrogate as well. Their glory at Wembley. Um, recently Simon Weaver what, what what a job and it's such a well-run club um, as well as Concord is as well so yeah great advertisement um, not just uh, on the pitch but how you run your clubs off the pitch to get you know you know the, the players on the pitch in these situations uh, best possible chance of making finals like these so yeah great advert for for non-league football today, and um, I'm I'm sure, obviously, uh, in in a few weeks' time, I think we're going to see some similar standard games. So yeah, certainly look forward to them. Yeah, terrific, great achievements for both involved, and yeah, we wish them all the best uh, in their respective futures. In Harrogate's case, their season just winding down in League Two now as they play the final game this weekend. Not really much to play for, but I think the Har- uh, Cambridge victory and the the match today will be two high points for them. Uh, as for Hebburn, they're still in this year's mm. Mars as well, which is the most remarkable thing. They've won the competition and currently hold it now. And they've got a quarterfinal versus Warrington Rylands this weekend, to, or last weekend, to worry about. But I just, because I look at Ollie Bez's Twitter page, unfortunately, most sites don't update them. But uh, yeah, Hebburn played Warrington this weekend. Uh, the previous three quarterfinals were all played on Saturday, but. It's a big opportunity for them to keep the trophy if they make it back to Wembley. Uh, but it'll be a tough task against Warrington side who did very well in the last round. So all the best to them. And congratulations again on a fantastic achievement today at Wembley. So both them and uh, Harrogate Town for a very good final. Uh, you do have to feel hard for Concord. So let's talk about something a bit different before we focus on the football again. Obviously, the dominating story today was the trophy and Vars finals because this meant a lot to the sides. But here is uh, a big opportunity, which I think will be important for clubs just as much as those who are currently playing for it in the National League. Recently, Oli Bellis uh, announced that the, F- was the FA that they're announcing to move clubs laterally between leagues or if they want if they're lucky promote them so uh it's a long list that i have but there are some obviously have not, uh, one of them have decided not to go up step four from step five um and it led to the resignation of ollie cherry and wade smith which i think is very strange and i'm not sure as to how they've decided to reject going up a, a level um we also have if I just refer to the list, clubs in step five and six, you have a variety of clubs that have had great success in the last few years. We just spoke about Hebron in the Northern League. They've got a chance of going up to 
uh, step four. Circa Sutton Common Rovers, but they're currently under a legal battle, I believe, with Ascot Town, who wish to claim that one spot up to step four. That's, we spoke to Darren, I spoke to Darren Nebosh a few, uh, a few weeks ago. I called him Nebosh because he has that on Twitter. The SCR coach who led, who are uh, unfortunately got knocked out in the FA Vars a couple of weeks back. And he spoke obviously on the day of possibilities of going up to step four to compete at the FA Trophy level. They did do very well in respective Vars competitions, but fell short in in the, this season's competition, but they want to compete in the trophy, get the opportunity to make bigger teams, and won't be as easy, but one to look out for. There are other competitions that also have teams that are desperate to make upward levels. One of them is Hashtag United, the Spencer Owen run, run club, who are in step five right now, but currently are on the verge of being given an opportunity, should they be allowed to take it, up to step four, which will be a big step up for them as well. So keep an eye on that one. We spoke about, I just spoke about Christchurch. Uh, Stockton Town, who played at an FA non-league finals there a few years ago. They also have a, they have an option to go up as well, also in the Northern League. So many clubs, Tom. Uh, Here we could, we'd be here for hours covering every single one. But if you do want to know who it's been considered to be up, to move up to a respective level, you can go onto Ollie Bellis' Twitter feed and you can find all of the, uh, Clubs that are currently being tied to be given a chance to move up a respective level in step five and six and below. What are your thoughts, Tom, on this widespread but effect, hopefully effective opportunity for clubs to move up a level in the league? Yeah, well, actually, uh, the Christchurch one uh, is very interesting. I think that there's a lot of people looking on the outside. Well, you know, why wouldn't team want to apply? You know, surely you want to go up. But I think maybe. They need to financially secure the club. Do they feel like it's the right time to go up? Um, you know, I think they'll get. I think they'll get some criticism. Obviously, you know, is the leadership of the club right? Is the ambition of the club right? But I think, yeah, putting the club security first um, is very important. Is very important. But I think um, another reason that's been brought up as well is, uh, you know, Christchurch uh, do share their ground with uh, the cricket club. Um, so people are questioning whether that is maybe got something to do with it and that that's been given um you know a red flag uh from the southern league and there's there's multiple considerations that you know need to be made before moving up in the pyramid so it's got mixed reaction um Christchurch and you know who's going to replace them obviously um it's you know Leamington Town and AFC Stoneham uh who are just uh in that top 3 on that list of Clubs that could, you know, apply to go up. Obviously, Christchurch were going to get the first dids, but you know, it's, there's two weight in the wings now. Obviously, the next step is 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 Leamington going to um, apply uh, from the Wessex League. So I think that's been a, a big story that's come out. Um, and as well, you look at uh, you know step seven. Um, so again, the step six leagues are waiting to hear how many spaces um, they'll need uh, to fill for next season. Uh, you know, so the leagues will need to consider the step seven clubs who've applied for, uh, for promotion this season or last. And, you know, this is a big thing. They'll be asked to prioritise clubs with floodlights uh, and grade H grounds uh, ahead of using sporting data. Um, so that, that, again, you talk about mixed reaction. That's got uh, some interesting reaction. Some, some people, um, 
I think some people are a bit disappointed about the real emphasis on facilities and results should matter most. And there's some clubs, though, who are uh, fans of clubs and the clubs themselves, obviously, who are really excited about, you know, the possibilities. And, you know, for example, um, you know, clubs like, uh, you know, Wellington Amateurs uh, in the you know, members of the West Midlands Regional League that they've got their fingers crossed um, and the likes from the, you know, the, uh, the Lincolnshire League, who are also step seven on the pyramid, obviously. So, yeah, it's uh, I can understand again why that's got some some mixed reaction um, about you know the criteria. I think that that's something that's always been uh, under scrutiny. But again, uh, you know that is what the the FA are, are sticking with. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I wish everyone luck. Um, in their applications and obviously 17th of May looks to, to, to be the big day where it's you know, it's going to be decided. So um, I hope everyone gets the outcomes they want. Um, I'm sure there might be some, some changes. Maybe uh, there might be clubs like in similar situations to, you know, Christchurch who aren't going to apply. Um, but yeah, I, I wish everyone luck and, um, Obviously, the right decisions do need to be made for the financial security of the club, which is, you know, probably re- a big reason why Christchurch um, didn't apply in the end. So, yeah, I think sensible decisions do need to be made at this time uh, from the clubs, but I'm sure the fans of those clubs will trust their boards, um, you know, to, to make those right decisions and make sure all the facilities are right. Um, so, obviously, yeah, that is a, a big way, uh, you know, that, that the clubs are going to be judged whether they can play in these leagues next season. Nice to know that there's some who are considering their futures greatly. We wish them, as Tom says, all the best. It's a big step up from wherever you used to play. But I think you, I'm sure they'll enjoy it. The fans will relish the opportunity to play against great, more established opposition in terms of the levels they play at. And it also means a bit more of a benefit for some of those clubs that do move up. So say, for example, from step five to step four, it means that it gets into the FA Cup a little later on rather than those who are in step five who have to play as soon as, I think it's the second qualifier round. Some get to play uh, in the the preliminary rounds of the competition before meets going up towards the first qualifying, second qualifying, third qualifying. The more higher the qualifying, the serious it gets. So I think the opportunities for more lucrative financial uh, gains for being in cup competitions start to become a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, like, let's say money will start running through their eyes. Let's say that much. That's key here. We need the clubs to survive. We need them to keep going because they are hot, as we keep saying on this podcast. Those not just in the top divisions of non-league, those below it are hearts of communities and they give, and they have a lot of people who more or less depend on them. And, we said back in February when um, we had the National League debacle starting to make it uh, uh, rear its ugly head in the way that it did. Clubs in the North and the South, just as much as everyone else in from then below, will all have this opportunity post-May the 17th to be able to really begin to welcome fans back and be able to host games and friendlies again. And, we're glad to say at this point, it's the 3rd of May today. We are fought exactly two weeks away from the official easing of restrictions. So clubs can hopefully now 
start thinking about arranging friendlies or matches or tournaments with the fans uh, in, uh, in attendance and looking forward, hopefully, as well to seeing plenty of stories about great games and wonderful reunions, players and coaches and all coming together to share the common goal again. But even then, next season, you don't even know what division you're going to be in, whether it's going to be where you are now, such as, as I mentioned earlier, the likes of Stockton Heaven in the Northern Leagues or Sutton Comrovers in the Cartons divisions below. So much is up at stake. It's just a hope now to see what may happen. And good luck to everyone again for uh, hopefully a positive outcome. Now, so a couple of relegations of notes. Obviously, you'll know that everyone's fighting for promotion to the National League this season. But in order for you to go up to the National League, from the National League to the Football League, you're going to need to replace teams that are coming down. This week, uh, we found out in our little hiatus that the two clubs from, non, from uh, League Two that will be joining National League next season will be Southend United after 103 years in the Football League, uh, who are run by Phil Brown, who at a time in his career was esteemedly remembered as Hull City's manager in the Premier League. My word, has he had a hard, hard fall from grace. Uh, and uh, Grimsby Town, who gained promotions to the Football League only five years ago. It's been a tumultuous time with so many problems for the Mariners over in the North East. And it's a shame that it has come down to this for them. But in the end, sadly, they did have to succumb to, uh, they did have to, succumb to the pressure. And so be it, they are now back in the National League after a, a reasonable stay at Football League level. Tom, uh, as a man who knows Grimsby well, I'm sure you've followed them uh, over the last few years. I'll, 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 I'll touch on Southend on, on, in a moment, but I want to hear from you on the Grimsby relegation. It's been a hard few weeks for them. What would you, uh, what would you say is the more, more of your opinion on them returning to the National League? Is it one that is... You know, they're welcome because of the scenario they're in. Do you feel they should have still been in the Football League? Um, I think for Grimsby, it's it's one where you see Ian Holloway come in, and I I was I was thinking, wow, this is a this is a big coup for for Grimsby, and I thought he was going to be the man uh, to really push them forward, but. Uh, Obviously, it didn't end um, the way I, I certainly thought it, it was going to end for, for Ian Holloway. And um, yeah, I, I felt I felt worried for, for Grinsby um, at that point. And, you know, obviously they, Paul Hurst coming in, you know, would would that be uh, the right change? Obviously, he, he's someone um, who's, he's got actually quite a, a decent CV. Um, when you look at it on paper, obviously what he did with Shrewsbury and, and still, although it didn't, wasn't successful for me, it's which sat very quickly. Um, he definitely had some, some success um, in his managerial career. And, uh, you know, obviously he was sat by Scunthorpe, uh, local rivals, uh, obviously, uh, uh, certainly close, sorry, so certainly close uh, to Grinsby um, on the map in the end. But, yeah, it it was one where I think too too many draws um, in the end of this season for for Grimsby Town. It's a it's a shame for them. Um, obviously, a severe lack of goals uh, in in the team as well as uh, certainly cost them. But yeah, again, you know if if they'd maybe you know got wins uh, in, certainly in their home games, there was um, some. 
I suppose a few for a couple frustrating nil nils and you know drawing at home to to Walsall and Cheltenham. I think that's cost, especially you know in the Walsall and Cheltenham games. Um, you know, late March, early April, big time to try and get a run together for Fulhurst's side. Uh, yeah, they scored early, but yeah, gave away some some silly goals. Um, you know, in those halves and. They, you know, plotted along to one-one draws in the end, and you know that that's really cost them badly. And they stabilised themselves pretty pretty well uh, in the you know in the lead two. And I, I I certainly thought you know Grimsby were a team that were going to go up uh, instead of down. Obviously, they were sort of in, in those positions where they're on a knife edge. You know, would they eventually rip st- this? You know, the stabilisation of them in the football league with that. That turn them up to the top half side. Now I was I was in that camp, but it's gone very wrong this season. Didn't you know? Didn't work for for Ian Holloway. And um, yeah, I think too many draws at the back end of the season uh, has cost them. So it's um, it's heartbreaking uh, for Grinsby. Um, you know, I'm sure they had quite big hopes of could they you know get towards that uh, promote you know promotion spots in the near future. Obviously, they knew it was going to be a quick fix in in the football league when they went up but wasn't meant to be uh unfortunately uh for the mariners in the end so yeah uh commiserations to them um but i've got to admit they can build themselves well um i'm sure paul hurst will still fancy the challenge in my eyes to, to stay there in the national league next season they can rebuild again uh go stronger and uh yeah they've they've been very experienced uh in the playoffs i'll tell you that um so it took, you know they were before they actually won the playoffs they're involved uh, in a lot of playoffs semi-finals so you know Grinsby know um, you know know their way around the league well and yeah I, I expect them to be up there next season as long as they can build properly but it's been a very stressful season obviously um, Grinsby fans are feel very let down and hurt at the moment but set up at them to to come back stronger and I think they'll they'll be a, you know what certainly one of the top outfits and. Yeah, obviously, you know, when you can't keep hold of key players like uh, Omar Bogle, um, you know, as a, as a good example, yeah, it's it. Any good player that Grinsby have, they, you know, unfortunately, yeah, really failed to, to keep hold of. So I think that's um, an example why, again, they have declined in the end after some, some stable seasons. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think next season um, they'll certainly be one of the promotion favourites. Certainly, and I think that they will probably be of good value to the league. I know clubs don't like to think uh, the thought of going out of the football league because they feel they could compete in it. They can challenge for great honours up in the football league, and it's obviously very lucrative being a fully professional league compared to obviously a bit more of the more flexible scenario with with the national league lower. But I still think that they will add a fantastic value to next season uh, so, and whoever's in the league next season with them will have a hard time against them because there's not a, an easy trip to Grimsby in the first place. High up in the north, next to the coast, it's really cold in the deepest winter. I know that for sure. The local sponsors are a well-known f- uh, fishery who make great food actually, to be honest. Like I, have, I remember having cod from there once. It was very, from there, oh, that came from there once. It was very good. So, it's uh, it's in terms of location, it's a great place to go, and I think you'd be far fetched to find anywhere else that's as you know welcoming and as, as 
you know, as humble as a place of Grimsby's, uh, of Grimsby's taste. So we wish them well and look forward to seeing them in the league next season. Hopefully they'll welcome us as we are welcoming them back. So Southend, now uh, I have vested interest in, the, in this team because a little while ago I attended a match in Southend. A few, I think it was a League 2 game. I uh, believe a couple seasons back, you know, when things were normal, we used to be able to stay close to one another and stuff like that. It was fun. Um, I believe, if I recall correctly, it was against, you know, long visiting Carlisle. My goodness, it was a long journey for them. But on that day, they didn't have a good afternoon, Southend. Carlisle got a result, a good result as well. And they did look forlorn a bit. Phil Brown had not been in, uh, in the job at the time. I can't remember who the previous manager was. But... Southend would then, or would then, you know, struggle further before on the final day surviving by the skin of their teeth. I believe they beat Charleston to survive uh, on the last day at Roots Hall to secure their safety. Yeah, but you start to wonder. The last two seasons have just been the beginning of the end in, for them in the in the league, and obviously it culminated obviously last week with fans protesting outside the ground at more or less the way the club is being run and the nature of how the club, the team has just fallen by the wayside in the last 24 or so months. Pandemic has obviously affected them like everyone else has. But I think for them, they have not adapted to the situation as well as everybody else have. And in the end, it led to, you know, just poor form on the pitch, lots of loans. I mean, I look at their squad, it's such a deep team and, even some of the players that are on the list here aren't even there anymore. Uh, and I could, to name a few, you have Harry Kipriano. I believe he's a, a Tottenham loanee at some in his career. You know, you have spells at Spurs. He was at Watford as well. Played at Bromley in the National League. Um, you have a few. Tyler Corner used to play. He's on loan as well from, I believe it's from. He's from somewhere. I think he's from South. He's at Southend from loan. I don't know where he's come from. Jason Dimitri, who's a veteran in the league, Timothy Diang, some of these players have a great experience in league football, all getting relegated. Simi Nakilola, ironically, moved to Southend from uh, Barnet last season, and he was, he's now coming back to the National League. Rico Hackett Fairchild, who earlier this year, who started at Portsmouth, was on loan at Southend to be relegated with them. He gets to stay in the league, but he's a good talent there too. Ricky Holmes, a striker. Veteran striker scored a few good goals in his career, but a very, a very illustrious number of clubs, like of Charles and Sheffield United. Uh, he's played at Barnet for a large chunk of his career early on. So much talent in this team, and they, I feel like it's it's been coming for them. Their financial situation is well known. The fact that Phil Brown has struggled to really with his reputation as well of being in the Premier League and having, you know having the popularity that he has in football over the last decade, the fact that he's now going right down with Southend to the National League, it shows you that his career has taken many big blows in the last decade, since obviously he lost his job at the KCOM Stadium in 2010. Ultimately, you kind of wonder now with what's next for Southend. Do they need new owners? Do they need a new investment? Do they have to? They may have to obviously, you know, jettison a lot of the players at the club now in order to be able to, you know, build a strong enough team that should. I'm not going to say like because we've said a few times before, teams that tend to come down from League Two into the National League 
tend to look like rival, straight favourites immediately when the season starts because of the fact they have been in the league for so long. But on the flip side, you kind of want to just see how they fare in the first few weeks in the league. Can Phil Brown get the best out of this team? If he keeps a core... Uh, a core uh, of, the, of the squad that have done well in the league before their relegation, if he can maintain that against a stubborn number, a number of stubborn clubs, there's a lot of teams in this league who will miss out this season and a lot of ex-league clubs that will relish the chance of playing South End at this level. All that will do is make it all the more exciting to see who comes out of that in that little pool that will play next season, whether whoever's left in there or not is to be decided. We haven't got a clue who of the seven at the moment will, are, are there. We'll be there next season to take on the likes of Grisby and Southend, but they will definitely add great value to the league and competition, I'm sure, will be heightened even further by the fact that this league has already got such great clubs like the Chesterfields, the Notts Counties, the Wrexhams, uh, Stockports and Co. All of them, in, in, in a nutshell, just terrific to watch so they have a great team they have a solid core but they've just not been good enough in the national in the football league so with them coming down we'll see if they can handle the pressure of being in a very difficult league and especially against teams that are i have to say that don't always play train like they will be doing full time they won't get to train as much and it's a big difference between what one and the two, so we have to wait and see. Um, would you say, Tom, for next season? And I may have just said that you know the Monica favourites is a bit outlandish, but would you say they'd be two strong teams next season in terms of league position, and can they challenge for promotion? I certainly, I certainly favour Grimsby at the moment. Um, there's a real worry. Among the, the South End fan base, that they're going to really struggle next season. You know, it, it's, it's dreadful. You know what's been happening to them. Um, uh, the, it's heartbreaking for the fans. You know, it's a hundred years since the South End came into the football league, and the the, the management. You know, the management there. It, yeah, it's been it's been a chaos. Uh, there's, there's no other word to describe it. There's zero uh, sustainability, in my opinion. Um, I think, yeah, the, the recruitment policy uh, has certainly been poor as well there, I would say. And the fans who went the other week, they, they, you know, they wanted to make a stand. When they appointed Mark Molesley, um, I was actually quite excited because uh, obviously here on the Not Night 2 podcast, we, we've certainly been highlighting how well Mark Molesley's done at Weymouth, you know, when we covered the, the playoffs last season. Um, it was a big step for him, but I was really hopeful he was going to do well now. I thought it was a, an adventurous appointment, but obviously, um, yeah, I think you do look at the experience that Mark Molsey has. He's a yeah, very inexperienced manager. The fans, I think, had that sort of little bit of maybe thinking, okay, young manager, can he take his full ball slow? Yeah, uh, to have an inexperienced coach, you know, with a club that isn't well run in, in the, you know, the first place anyway. You know, I think a lot of fans felt it was brilliant when they stayed up against Sunderland in the last day in you know, 2019, excellent 2-1 win. Real, little, real buzz around the club. That was a chance then to, to push on. Um, obviously, I'm not sure Kevin Bond, they maybe felt, was the way forward, but he was the man in charge for the next season. And again, actually, similar 
quite similar to the Mark Mosey situation. Sol Campbell, uh, you know, big name as well, young manager making his way up in the game. You're thinking, okay, um, let's see if that works. But he had, um, I have to say, a, a pretty uh, torrid time. Deservedly relegated in the end. Yeah, you could say, could they have stayed up um, if the season had carried on? But in my opinion, they were, they were so far adrift, um, you know, from the teams that were in that relegation battle. You know, they were... It was 13 points off Tranmere Rovers um, uh, before the season was, uh, you know, dec- um, decided on PPG. So, yeah, it's it's a torrid uh, double relegation for for Southend, and yeah, they, they tried it with it with the young manager, you know, young managers coming. It hasn't worked. Poor recruitment policy. It's a, it's no surprise to be honest um, that they have, they have failed uh, quite badly. Um, although you can look at team coming down you may be expecting to do better but the, the way the clubs run that's why South End fans with this double relegation they're really fearing now could we be in a relegation battle next season National League which is why I think Grimsby is certainly going to be um, the, str- the stronger looking team I, I believe there's more in place at Grimsby and there's been quest- certainly questions uh, over the Grin- you know the board at Grimsby certainly to fall out with Ian Holloway he publicly <laughs> said on social media as well was not happy with the way that clubs run but I'd back Grimsby more um, certainly being that promotion push where South End, Ron Martin is running them into the ground to, to be um, a League One club, um, to, to, you know, surviving on the final day, a real buzz. So now suddenly the fans are feeling they're going to rot in the National League. So, yeah, it's, it's worrying times. I really hope it can be resolved for South End, but certainly new ownership um, is, is, is what they want. And... I hope for South End fans' sake that that you know Ron Martin listens to the protests and and so you know and and leave, certainly leaves the club because it's it's his time looks to certainly be up. Yes, I agree. And big pressure now on them to recover as soon as they possibly can. But I tend to agree with Tom. It does look like they're going to need to struggle a bit to be able to enjoy successes again. To be relegated in consecutive seasons is not a good thing. It does show that you have problems bigger than the ones you would originally thought you had. I I'm of, I was of the illusion that going down from League 1 to League 2 was going to just be one of those strengthening exercises where they can attempt to learn from the mistakes of not being good enough in League 1, strengthen themselves and then go back up the next season. But it just seems that they fell down like a stone and in the end they you know penalised them. They can only penalise themselves for the fact they did not perform to standards that I'm sure they were expecting to maintain during that season. So they've only got themselves to blame, sadly. Um, in terms of the, the players and the, and the management stuff for not being able to get the best out of the team. It does seem, though, just having the sheer... I find that having the sheer number of players in your squad can be a big problem for you. And I think it did come in the end to the detriment of not being able to find an effective system to play your best 11 in. Well, really, they can, they can only you know, can only wonder how they can recover from this. But for now, it's looking wounds time. Get the season done. Prepare for next season. And, you know, just try to embrace the life that you're about to live because it's a hardest, it's harder in the National League, I think, than in League 2. Yes, League 2 is a competitive league, a hard challenge to, you know, establish yourself. And no team is... You know, there's no one team that dominates it. There's always a team that's good enough that goes up to the next level. So you've always got teams that survive that can cut the mustard there. 
I think here you're going to find it equally harder because there are these teams that have been like starved of no of league football are fighting to get back into the promised land and to do it they they fight against the best of the best from those who didn't make their mark in the league in the years gone by so time will sell for both of them but yeah sad, it's sad that they've gone down in the end though you'd need to accept that you know as we've seen recently with this this super league debacle you've got to embrace promotion and relegation because no team is always going to be good and Consist, consistently play against the best every year. You've got to keep yourselves on your toes in case one day you do have a bad run and end up dropping a division. You learn from those mistakes. You try and play, play get better football into your into your club and improve on in the years go, going by. So let's see what happens. It'll be an exciting season next season, nevertheless. So, having covered the two, <clears throat> two relegated sides in the football league, now joining the national league next season. Obviously, they'll have to play one more game in League 2 to do that before they start preparing for it. Let's focus on the current state of affairs in the National League. And we speak to you, obviously, today being Bank Holiday Monday. It was the second of the Bank Holiday Weekend doubleheader. We had an epic Saturday. All four of the promotion contenders, yes, four, not three anymore. It used to be three. Now it's four because Stockport County have been on an incredible run recently. Have now joined the party. All of them won on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Tom will guide you through the results of today's game shortly. But it's a fantastic race now towards the finish. And with really little, little to be given by any team who are currently involved in the battle to get into the automatic promotion spot for next season. The driving force in this is Torquay United, who have remained unbeaten since their fantastic, uh, fantastic late win earlier in March. That victory they picked up against, excuse me, uh, against Woking by a goal to nil in the dying embers of their match started a renaissance. And since then, they have been on an imper- imperious run. Today, they had Chesterfield. On Saturday, they had Eastleigh. There were two huge games. Hartlepool played Chesterfield as well, as well as Bromley today. Sutton, who played tomorrow for us. We're going to talk about that on its own, <clears throat> on its, <clears throat> on its own shortly. They had an uh, opportunity to get a foothold in the get competition against Aldershot. And Stockport had a doubleheader against Wilston uh, on, on Monday. And on Saturday, a, a tough game at home. Away from home against Kings Lane. I guess, oh, sorry, against Halifax. My apologies. So, because my voice is croaking, Tom can take over from here and I will humbly ask him some questions about it shortly. But first, Tom, Saturday, big results for all four teams. How did you see it from your point of view? Yeah, so, you know, with Sutton United, they they needed to keep that uh, pressure on Torquay, obviously failing to uh, overtake them after uh, defeat Eastley. So, yeah, I think for, for Torquay, you know, by playing Eastley, I think there was a lot of hope with the promotion rivals. I mean, thinking with Eastley, obviously, beating Sutton and going into the playoff places, that was going to be a, a really tough game um, for Torquay United. But the thing about Torquay is they're just so good at, uh, on you know, handling the pressure well. Um, and they've certainly got that squad, which has got 
those experienced players in. Uh, yeah, you know, you look back to early on the season, Torquay were running away with the league and it just shows the quality they've got. Obviously, every team has a blip there, quite a big one, but you feel like have Torquay got got their blip out of the way at the, the right time and, you know, they, they beat Eastley uh, pretty convincingly. It was a little scared. It was the you know, first half goals um, from Billy Waters. Uh, um, sorry, first half goal from Billy Waters. Uh, Asa Hall made it 2-0 uh, just after half-time. Uh, Tyron Barnett made it a bit nerve-wracking uh, for Talk United, but uh, Jake Andrews, uh, 15 minutes from time, uh, wrapped up the points. And for, for Torquay, you know, coming into today's game, which we'll touch upon shortly, um, that was certainly the just the momentum uh, that they needed. But, you know, that one ended 3-1. Uh, 3-1 seems to be a common scoreline uh, from Saturday's games uh, among the certainly the, the, the top three uh, promotion uh, contenders. Um, but for Sutton United, it was a tough first half for Sutton. They took the um, lead very early on from Donovan Wilson, a great flick forward from uh, Omar Bugil. Uh, and you're really thinking something can really kick on now. Um, maybe putting a similar performance like they did at Ultram. But in fairness, Ricky Miller uh, scored from close range. Uh, new blaze cross certainly caused some issues. Maybe from a, a some perspective that looked, you know, could have easily been prevented. But um, yeah, Buzanis saved Miller's initial header. Uh, fell back to Ricky Miller and he made no mistake. But uh, obviously a big boy for Sutton. Rob Milson coming off very early. Usually is the main set piece taker. But... Um, in the end, Sutton didn't miss him too much. Harry Butman drilled in a lovely corner. Louis John was not going to miss that header. It was put on a plate for him. And really, that changed the momentum, uh, you know, going into halftime, a very key goal. And old shot started, you know, had some fairly bright moments, but I think Sutton handled it uh, very well. And, um, yeah, Isaac Alafe, uh, just over 50 minutes from time, uh, sealed it off. Brilliant cross from David Ajiboye. Uh, Omar Bagil certainly made himself a, a nuisance in the box, um, trying to get the header towards goal. But, uh, yeah, uh, couldn't get it past uh, Mitch Walker. But Isaac Alafe uh, made no mistake. His uh, first goal since Halifax as well um, in that dramatic 2-2 draw uh, for Sutton in March. So, again, good for Alafe to get on the score sheet. It was a shame for Sutton United that Omar Bagil uh, couldn't get on the score sheet uh, as well to build on his winning goal against uh, Barnett um, in the midweek. But for Sutton, that was a, a result which they really needed to keep that momentum up now from what has been a good week. Obviously, you, you, you know, any game in this league is tough, but you look at the games Sutton had at home, you're certainly looking at and thinking that Sutton need to win those games. Uh, Sutton really can't afford to, to drop uh, many more points. And, you know, it was Hartlepool in the late game um, and you know, big pressure on Hartlepool uh, because just for that stop port, again, you look at games which rivals could drop points on. Um, again, Halifax, uh, certainly a very good outfit. Um, it was a, a, you know, Paddy Madden goal, uh, you, know, you know, a key player for, for Stockport now. And, you know, that was a, a crucial win for them. That's a grind it out. Um, you know, Halifax certainly... Uh, you know, one of the best home teams in the league. And, you know, to go there and win, it shows the quality of Stockport, who, you know, really riding high now. And that put the pressure on Hartlepool uh, going into the late game against Chesterfield. But I'll tell you what, they uh, they passed that game um, with, with flying colours in the end. They were 3-0 up it um, going into half-time. Uh, Reese Oates, uh, uh, Joseph Yarny, uh, own goal, and Luke Armstrong, um, you know, putting Hartlepool 
in in a great position to to come out like that. You know, you look at Sutton the previous week didn't quite handle the pressure very well as the late kickoff, but Hartlepool were were fantastic on that day. You know, against Chesterfield, you know, Fraser Kerr pulled one back uh, for the Spyrites, but you know it wasn't to be enough in the end. It just was a consolation goal, no dramatic comeback for from Chesterfield, and yeah, for you know for the weekend's gains. Um, all the top four prevailed and you can see now obviously it, it that was a real moment I was thinking certainly this this is forming into a, a four horse race you know for I I've got to admit I'll be honest I'd stop Paul Earmark to slip up at Halifax but they did extremely well and um, huge credit certainly needs to go um, to Stockport for that so you know looking at the the weekend's action that's uh, how it came into today's games but I'll tell you what we talk about Torquay, you know, handling the pressure so well. Again, Chesterfields, you're thinking, okay, they're still in, you know, a decent position, still sitting in that seventh place coming into today's games. Um, but obviously, there were some big games uh, involving, you know, teams chasing those, you know, those those playoff spots, um, and you know, you know, teams up at the, the you know top echelons of the league and. You know, Torquay to, to go to, to Chessfield and win 2-0 this afternoon. Um, and, you know, Ahmed, um, you know, you, you listened to that game and, you know, you were reporting back to me. It was a very convincing win for Torquay. You know, not just the scoreline sh- shows it, but sort of the manner of it. And it was, um, you know, uh, Lemon Hay, Evans and, and Waters with the goals for Torquay uh, this afternoon. And, you know, you're looking at that for for James, James Rose side, Okay, they're tough games on paper, but obviously uh, the big twist in the top race, um, you know, came at Hayes Lane, which Bromley beat in Hartlepool. Uh, Jude Arthur's his goal four minutes uh, before half time, and Gary Little getting sent off the end just to add another blow to Hartlepool. What was a, a real tough result for for them to take. So, you know that that Hartlepool that's a, that's a huge blow in the top race because especially with Stockport hammering uh, Willstone in that second half. Uh, Crosell and Reed scored uh, within two minutes of each other. Uh, Reed then added another four minutes in the end, and, and then John Rooney to to make it four nil. You know, a very very convincing win for Stockport today. And you know, so I think a key feature as well is that Stockport's goal difference is now the best in the league. They're 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 on fire up front at the moment, and I, I certainly wouldn't want, want to be coming up against them uh, in this run because they're going to do everything they can now to to chase down uh, talking Sutton. They've got that jump on Hartlepool now. And just looking at the playoff picture as well, um, we'll look at more of the other teams in that playoff picture in it, um, shortly. But for, for uh, specifically Bromley and Chesterfield, that now means Bromley are in the top seven. What a job Andy Woodman's done there. Four wins out of uh, their last five. And, you know, to, to beat Hartlepool today, um, I think that is the one. We talk about season-defining moments. Certainly, for Hartlepool's title push—that's a, that's a huge blow. But for for Bromley's playoff push, um, you know, you're looking at the. I think Chesterfield might be thinking, you know, you can't take anything from Grant in this league. But you know, with the way Chesterfield was swept aside from Hartlepool, the Hartlepool's form recently, I think Chesterfield must be thinking at least, okay, we can still stay above Bromley. But you know, Bromley uh, pulling out the hat today, and uh, yeah, huge credit to them. Um, and that's certainly another big twist uh, in the playoff race. So there, for me, Ahmed, um, we'll move on to look at more of the other games from from this weekend, obviously from today's game shortly. But there, for me, are the, are the big key moments, um, you know, to take um, from from this weekend's games for 
for the for the title race uh, and and for the playoff race as well. It's certainly um certainly got interesting now. And uh, f- for me, I-, I can see some more shot results actually like that um, happening. You know, and that just shows even the Hartlepool's form, the quality in this league is is extremely good. And when you got Bromley fighting their lives for the playoffs. You do wonder when they visit uh, Torquay on Saturday evening in front of the BT cameras whether, you know, maybe a favour uh, will be uh, handed to, I mean, the likes of Sutton, Stop, Stockport and Hartlepool there. Massive, massive results this weekend and they're quickly done by Tom as ever. He'll get through the rest of them shortly. But, absolutely, yeah, fantastic to have been part of an incredible weekend of uh, non-league, of National League football. The sheer nature of all four teams in the top half of the promotion hunt, especially, were winning on the same day. Was it just showed you the resilience they're all having. And a few weeks ago, we were counting Stockport out of this race, but the front Simon Rosk has taken this team on has been incredible. So they've earned their right to be in the race now, and to have got as you said, Tom, for them to get the jump on Hartlepool who for a long time looks like they, when they had their uh, third 16 match on beaten run, they looked so good. They looked impenetrable. Nothing could stop them. Went down to Bromley today. And I think the fact that because it is two games in 48 hours, it may have played a part in the, in the fact that they couldn't handle keeping up that sort of level today. And Torquay could against the Chesterfield side, who... I thought we're looking good to cement a playoff place, but now they're back in that hunt again with the Eastleys, the Notts Counties and uh, Wrexhams of this world, who are all, you know, and probably too, all jostling for the three spots in the top seven. It is a big, it's a big uh, race now towards the end. And as it helped Chesterfield today, knowing that Bromley won, Wrexham also picking up a result um, and Halifax too. So, We'll again cover those in a minute, but those are results that have affected uh, them greatly, who I think could have been, uh, as I'd like to say, perpetrators in the title hunt because of the two matches they had against uh, Torquay and against uh, Hartlepool. It's clear to see, though, today, Hartlepool's defeat puts them has set them back big time. What that's done is now they need more than what they already have to be able to even think about being in the promotion race. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, you know, f- for Hartlepool, with the form they're on, um, you know, the, the this massive unbeat run Hartlepool were on, you had, and you were saying before as well, Ahmed, it looked like a, the big three, Torquay, Sutton and Hartlepool going for, for the league, but... It's been a it's been a double blow, not just for Hartlepool losing, but for, for Stockport's form as well. Um they've now leapfrogged Hartlepool. And obviously, you know, the top four, their mentality is gonna be let's go and win the league. But if you are thinking slightly ahead for the playoffs, that also means that Hartlepool have dropped out that top three, which means if it is to be playoffs for them, um, they wouldn't even uh, have those uh home legs in the semi-finals. And um I think they'll view that as a as a bit of a blow, um, you know, the current with the current standings. Obviously, um, I, I fix that interests me. It, although it's in a couple of weeks and we, we've got lots more games to come for that. Um, is Stockport versus Torquay? I wonder whose favour that will work in. You know, what will the state of play be? Obviously, let's see how these next fixtures go. And we'll preview Sutton's massive game at Notts County uh, shortly. But 
yeah, I mean, for Hartlepool and Chesterfield, you would actually view them as in these, uh, you know, battles to go up, certainly the, the big losers uh, out the weekend. But yeah, I, I mean, for for Bromley, though, um, got to give big credit to, to Andy Woodman. Um, I think maybe people viewed the, the timing of the change slightly odd, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has worked <laughs> where for another, um, you know, chasing, uh, playoff chasing side, it hasn't quite worked. I mean, we'll get onto that shortly a bit as well. But again, Eastley are still in there. Um, but just looking back onto the results, um, just keeping on the playoff front at the moment. So Halifax defeated Yeovil 3-0 today. Um, a very convincing win. That was one which I thought could be a, a little bit banana skin. The Yeovil turned their season round uh, very well. If you listen to previous podcast, you know I was certainly thinking Yeovil were going to go. But yeah, an incredible turnaround. But um, you know Luke Summerfield opened the score in it inside 14 minutes, uh, and then they wrapped it up in the end. Uh, six minutes from time, Kieran Green uh, made it two nil. Surely put it beyond Yeovil, and to wrap it up, uh, put the ice on top of the cake for. Halifax Town, Jake Hyde uh, scored in stoppage time. You're now looking at Halifax. They've got quite a nice gap. Okay, Wrexham, Bromley, Chesterfield, EC, they've all got that one game in hand on Halifax, but I'd rather have the points at this time. Uh, Halifax certainly uh, big scorers in the league as well. In fact, um, they are right up there in the scoring charts with uh, Torquay and Stockport. They've actually leaped from uh, Sutton. So just shows the level of Halifax, what they've got up front. Um, and yeah, to, to go uh, to Yeovil today, Yeovil would have had that attitude, nothing to lose, we'll really turn around our season fairly well. Um, yeah, just shows that the quality of, of Halifax. But I think that one of the big twists in the playoff race today as well was, you know, Wrexham getting that point uh, at Mainheads, you know, to, to come for a 2-0 down. Uh, you know, I certainly thought this could be a big twist. And also, not just obviously Wrexham, you look and they're, they're well up there, but for Mainhead, possibly... Nicking a, a playoff spot, you know, Sam uh, Barrett and James Comley uh, gave them uh, a first half 2-0 lead. But huge credit to, to Wrexham, Jordan Davis and uh, Dior Angus um, with the goals to get Wrexham level. And what I'd certainly look at as a crucial point, it keeps Wrexham, uh, you know, in that top six. I mean, if they'd lost that, Bromley would have leapfrogged them uh, today. And, you know, Chesterfield would have really been eyeing up Wrexham. But Wrexham are hanging on in there. Um you know, I, I think the form they're on, they're, they're still, you look and they're still well on course uh, to get in that top seven. But again, I, I could certainly see some more twists and turns for, for, for Exxon. We showed today that they are vulnerable. Mainhead um, were completely in control of that half. But then again, I think that will feel a little bit like a win for Exxon, you know, the way they came back. So, yeah, some some big uh, moments in this playoff race uh, this weekend. Actually, I'd say probably there's more big moments in, in the playoff race than there has been uh, in the top race, albeit there is more teams uh, in the, in this playoff race. But again, um, you look at Dagenham as well. I think they're, they're a big standout. They've had a, a great weekend. Um, you know, today they beat Woking uh, 3-1. Uh, but before that, they also defeated uh, Dagenham 2-0. You know, McCallum Robertson with the goals and, uh, and make no mistake, Barnett uh, have hit a, a decent bit of form uh, since Simon Bassey and Dave Anderson have come in. So huge credit to them. That was a tough one for Dagenham. Um, and today, Woken, I think that was when I, I, I had some expectation for Dagenham to win that five straight wins. Um, McCallum's been on great form uh, this weekend. He got a, a double inside 27 minutes, one of them being from the spot, the second goal. I mean, Ashford made it a bit... 
a little bit uh, shaky for, for Dagenham, but um, Balanta responded within eight minutes um, to give Dagenham uh, you know, a key 3-1 victory. And you would certainly look at Dagenham as, a, as an outside um, for, for that playoff spot uh, as well. I, I would have certainly mentioned Maynard, but that was two crucial points dropped to, today, to be honest. Um, and for Bournemouth as well, who, who, who had you know a great day today, um, beating Kings then 5 1. Did actually fall behind uh, to Michael Gashgol, but uh, Gus Mafuta um, did get them level uh, within two minutes. And then, you know, uh, Kamongo Tishimanga, what what day he had, scoring a hat trick. Uh, uh, Kane Smith also got one in the second half for Bournemouth. But yeah, second half hat trick for Tishimanga. Um, there's maybe a big clue the star, star of the week uh, we'll, we'll go to um, <laughs> there. But yeah, uh, Bournemouth is another team. Maybe the very outside chance, but that is extremely outside. Um, to be honest, they're locked with uh, on 49 points with Maynard. I'll probably look at Maynard because only because those two games in hand um, as maybe the outsider for, for the playoff spot. But really, um, if you look at the, the key teams, I think Halifax, are, it's not done, obviously, but I think they, they are really now pushing towards cementing themselves in those playoffs. So you're looking at really Wrexham, Bromley, Chesterfield, uh, Eastleigh, uh, Notts County, big game tomorrow. Uh, and Dagan and Redbridge as the key members would may not have been the outsider team. And yeah, I, I think Bournemouth, it's, they've drawn too many games this season. Luke Goward has noticed that. Um, yes, they, they've had a great day today, but I, I, I just can't see him going on a, on a run to make up the ground now. So really, yeah, uh, down from 6th to 12th. I think that's uh, certainly 6th to 11th anyway, but you can put Maynard involved in that. that that's really the... I'll call that uh, the play, the key playoff zone where I think all the Swiss and turns uh, are going to be. Absolutely incredible stories being lined up left, right, and centre in the National League. Tom did neglect to note there are two other games to place to take place today. Not his fault. We're all engrossed in the matter of everything going on up in the league. Uh, another team that did win four 0 today were Solihull Moors against Altrincham. Uh, not such a good day for the team from Moss Road. It's been a hard season for them. A little while ago, they were in the playoff race and they were, they were stunning us all, National League North champions, by beating all covers that came in front of them. Seasons tailed off a bit since then, but goals from Jordan Thompson own goal for Johan Zuma, Hartley and Arch as well for the home side, secured the win and Barnett picked up a 2-0 victory so they had a defeat on Saturday but they won today, so they're looking good again under Bassi Anderson goals, goals for Richards Everton, gave them the lead but Anthony Wordsworth was sent off for the for the Bees in the second half, straight red card Tommy Adeloy though made sure of the points in the 75th minute to give them the win, so uh, pulsating back holiday weekend and that's not obviously taking into account we still have a game to cover in a few seconds but the current state of play we have Torquay having had a very good weekend 76 points 38 played we have Sutton second who have thir- 38 sorry 38 played 76 points Sutton have 36 games and 72 points uh, we'll explain why Stockport with their fantastic run they've been on, and I believe that's fifth 13 unbeaten for them in all comp- in all league games since their last defeat. They are on 71 points, 38 games played. Hartlepool, who were once leaders, are now down to fourth and six points behind Torquay United. And this is taking into account obviously Torquay had games in hand, as did Sutton. But they have now dropped to in six, six points further back. So obviously the teams that had games in hand have now caught up with them, and it's and it shows that they are. Currently, Ferguson defeat today against Bromley 
finding it a little bit harder now to challenge for promotion. And they've only got the four games, I think it's the four games left now. So they haven't got much time or opportunities left to really to really be able to get an opportunity, to get their points up. But they have got the opportunity for the final day. The last time I spoke to you, Hartlepool didn't have a match on the last day of the season, but it has been arranged that they will play Weymouth, who would have played, I believe, if originally Macclesfield, who obviously aren't in the league anymore. So that game will, that game is now being made to happen on the same day as everyone else, or at 12.30, kickoff on the 29th of May. So still be a final day to look forward to. Um, then you have the playoff race. Tom has been has been waxing lyrical about. You have Halifax also on 38 games, but on 62 points. Wrexham on a 37, on, and also Bromley overplay 37 on 58 points respectively. Wrexham on the virtue of goal difference, staying above Bromley. Chesterfield on after back-to-back defeats are eighth at the moment on 56 points, and they looked and for a little while they looked good under James Rowe to be staying in the top seven, but. These things are just tailed off recently, and it just seems that they they are having a bad patch at the worst time in the season. But like many, they have a game in hand on Halifax. Eastley, after a, a difficult period on Saturday, didn't play today, but they will definitely be looking to improve on over the weekend at Altrigham. They are currently in eighth, ninth place on 56 points as well. You have Notts County, who have 35 games played, the most out of anyone, the least out of anyone in the top 12. So they have the most ground to make up in this season. Their hopes of the playoffs dwindling, they're doing a poor form of 54 points. And then we could say it's a little outside, but Dagenham's good run, a couple of victories recently, five wins in a row, in fact, have kept them in somewhat of an outside chance, as our maiden heading have also got two games in hand on 49 points. For record, Dagenham are six points behind Wrexham and Bromley, who are in the two last two playoff spots. So, we now turn our attention to what is a, a crucial game tomorrow night. I will be there. You will hear a Not the Night to Extra from me the best part of two hours before it kicks off. Because I'll be, that's how long I'll be in Nottingham tomorrow. So, I you know, I travel with a huge, huge task in there. Almost everything's in their hands now. Tomorrow night against Lost County, should they win, they go to within two points of the a points within the leaders' Torquay with a game in hand still to play. That match is against Woking, and it's a huge game. That game because neither Torquay nor uh, Hartlepool can respond. Stockport, however, get I believe Stockport would get to play the next week as well. Yes, on the same night, Sutton play Woking. Stockport will host Dagenham and Redbridge. So those two have their the real, the best opportunity uh, of the season to clasp, <laughs> quite literally, clasp it with their bare hands at the promotion race. Now, let's remember, as I mentioned already, Stockport have a fantastic run on right now. Their chances of getting a victory against Dagmaridge are high. They don't play this weekend because it's the match where they miss out. So whatever happens this weekend, they'll be praying for some favourable results for Simon Rusk's team up in the northwest. However. They can take heart tomorrow that if Sutton do not get a result in Notts County, they can leapfrog them into second place uh, next week should results keep still going their way. Those Sutton have Weymouth on Saturday before playing Woking on the Tuesday. Really, it's in their own hands. So let's cover it now, Tom. And obviously, we've just spoken about how Notts County have had the most barren run and suddenly they're, they're pitchfork, they aren't pitchforks and knives out just yet 
after at Meadow Lane. But I, for one, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night's game. It will be an exciting challenge for Sutton. I must warn you, it's on the BT cameras as well. But it'll be an exciting challenge for Sutton to go there with the knowledge of seeing what's happened in the league today, knowing that tomorrow everything for them is now in their own fate. They can determine if they want this or not tomorrow night. Huge stakes on this game. Yeah, certainly with Torquay winning today, uh, Sutton, that, that will be, uh, be slightly playing on Sutton's minds. But I think, you know, Matt Gray's side can block out. I think what they've done really well is, you know, look at Barton Oldshot. They could have been two banana skins, but they got through their gains very professionally. Um, they certainly played the better attacking football on Saturday than they did on Tuesday. But for Notts County, I mean, I spoke about Bromley. Their magical change has worked wonders. Uh, Ian Birchnell, I was really excited for him to come in. I was, I was one at the time. I thought, okay, Neil Lardley. I thought maybe they could have stuck with him, but at the, you know, I spoke about this to you at the weekend, Ahmed. Actually, that um, Neil Lardley into after the Yeovil game, it did have that vibe of a, you know, last manager's interview. Um, and yeah, you know, Ian Birchnell came in very quickly. Um, but the results have uh, been far from good enough. You know, they drew 1-1 with Ultram uh, on Saturday. Um, I think, you know, especially with the home form Ultram uh, uh, being in recently, Ian Birchnell will be bitterly disappointed with that. But I've got, it's just instinct for me. I've got a feeling BT cameras, I saw Notts County do it against Wrexham when Wrexham are on amazing form at the time. Um, and... They played extremely well that game, got the 1-0 victory. I, to be honest, Ian Birch will be thinking they can replicate that again. That could be, you know, a huge turning moment, um, you know, in the race to, to get into the playoff spots. But again, as you said, Ahmed, what a ground it is for Sutton to go to as well. And, you know, if they could, if they could get a win tomorrow, it would be their biggest win this season. Yes, they win that territory where, you know, any game would feel like the biggest win this season. But I really feel like this could be a defining win for Sutton United because I think people despite the form Notts County it's still Notts County it's, it's still, they've still got good players there I, I refer to that game there they, they did beat Rex and maybe when I personally didn't expect them to beat them you know that was one one front of the, the TV cameras you know it seems to be the games I, I've got for you Notts County will, will turn up for them fans will be angry about you know the fact they haven't turned up more consistently especially uh, under Ian Birchnell but in fairness though although Birchnell has taken right rightfully um some some flack from the the Notts County supports. I think Notts County supports have also highlighted that the the team has has been far from good enough, and they they've been extremely disappointed with some of the attitude uh, attitudes of, of the of the players. But a big game for Notts County to get themselves up for. Um, you know, you usually think these situations will be vice versa, but you know, it's certainly not up right at the top end of the league coming into town. It, it's certainly one that you know Notts Notts County be up for. But I think yeah, if something can get three points. I would say, despite obviously literally looking at the table, talking to Sylvie Top, I just got that feeling mentally that would actually put them in the driving seat. Um, I'm not saying that Torquay would crumble, by the way. They're on a great run of form themselves, as we've talked about. But I feel like I feel like this is the one which I think Torquay fans will be looking at. Uh, and everyone at Torquay will be thinking, if something could slip up here uh, and, and certainly lose at Meadow Lane, then... You know that could be that could be the real turning point. Um, so a lot on the line tomorrow. I think I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, I think certainly if you're a neutral, um, you'd be looking for it to be more entertaining game than it was at Gangreen Lane. 
uh, in October because that was uh, that was certainly a very tight game. Carl Woodson, stoppage time, deciding that one. Um, but I feel like if it, I'll take this one for example that when the way Sutton came out of Willstone early on in the season, if, if that Sutton could come out, um, obviously difference, big differences. Um, Omar Bagil and Isaac Alapa, the partnership. I think there's a good chance, in my opinion, with the you know, way Donovan Wilson's playing when he got taken off early on Saturday, that that to me indicate that Matt Gray had in mind that Donovan Wilson is going to start. But they, you know, Isaac Alafo will still be playing out, out, you know, well out wide on on the wing for me, and and he's got he's got that goal as well, you know, you know, Omar Bagil, Isaac Alafo, and Donovan Wilson. That's real firepower. They could get at Notts County quickly. Notts County's confidence will be low. Um, so if Sutton can get out and get out and quickly score an early goal, it's going to take some big character for Notts County. Obviously, obviously, I think they'll be feeling really fragile at the moment. But I've got this feeling though that I think Notts County will feel like that. You know, with the three at the back that Ian Birchnell uh, usually plays again, that hasn't been working recently. But you maybe got that feeling. Could it shut out Sutton's front line again with that one extra man defence to handle? Omar Bagil and Donovan Wilson. I think obviously Sutton will. I think it's going to be key for um, certainly the likes of uh, Alafe and Ajiboye to, to get at the full backs. And you know there could be a change uh, left back for Sutton. Obviously Rob Milson going off early, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see maybe if Rob isn't fit enough. You know Aaron Simpson came in on Saturday, but I think Ben White maybe might look the more. Uh, the more sensible options go with obviously Ben's a natural left back and played very well for, for you know for Sutton last season. So big decision for Matt to make there, but huge one for both sides. I'd certainly say if Ian Birchnell loses this one, that's a huge blow for Notts County's hopes. And obviously that means it's also up Notts County's hands. Um, you know, look in their quest to, to get themselves back in those playoff spots. Uh, whereas for Sutton, obviously, if it's, it ends in defeat for the U's tomorrow, that the initiative it goes to Torquay where Sutton win. As I said, I feel like they'll be in the driving seat. So it's, it's a great match. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it, Ahmed, at, at Meadow Lane. What a stadium it is as well. I think I think this one's set up for, you know, a nationally uh, blockbuster. Um, I, I personally think it certainly could be a better game um, than, than it was at, at Gangreen Lane. So, yeah, I feel like, feel like what's on the line, um, you know, the talent that these two sides have. Could be match up and you know forget the Champions League tomorrow on, on BT Sport. This is the one on BT Sport to watch. This is the big, this is the big one. You know, this is the the big standout game um, and a sure one everyone's going to be anticipating. So I think it's, I think it's going to be um, a really good match up. Can't wait to see how it goes. Can't disagree at all with you, Tom. It is. I mean, it's a weird way to make a double header for a, for a <laughs> yeah. major night of football, especially with uh, no disrespect to neither Sutton or Notts County, but there are kind of bigger fish to fry in due respect. And there will be a lot more eyes focused on the Etihad tomorrow compared to Meadow Lane. Well, I, I look forward to it anyway. I found um, a tiny preview which involves an interview which is brilliantly done by the local paper over in Nottingham. He returned on Saturday against Altrincham and has described watching uh, Notts County as painful to watch in the last few weeks. As he's obviously been injured for long periods of this season. It was a strong uh, part of the side that helped get them into the playoffs last season and reach Wembley, obviously falling short to Harrogate on the day. But 
he says the following, the first game was always very difficult, especially when you play 90. I wasn't expecting to play the whole game, but I'm happy to be back. It's been a long three months. It's been frustrating for, to miss all the matches. I just want to focus on getting the team back into the playoffs, which is what we set out to do at the beginning of the season. And he raises a lot of valid, you know, a lot of valid points there because Notts County have fallen off by the wayside this season. I, I, I recall in a show we did in March, they were in the top seven. Even, dare say, they were much closer to the top of the te- top three teams then than they are now. And they had the significant advantage of games in hand as well. So once they'd gotten over that particular hurdle, if they'd still kept their form going, they would still we would see probably them challenging with the likes of Stockport, Sutton, Torquay and Hartlepool for the top, four, top spot in the league. How they've dropped like a stone. It is incredible. And... There's so much. Uh, there's so much. I'm sure that will plague Ian and Ian Birchall at this stage, but I don't think they're ready for what's coming from Sutton tomorrow, unless they unless they know from watching what they did that Grand Degree Lane in October. This is a different game to the one we saw uh, in earlier on this season. A very different game. What we're expecting to see is. With, obviously, Bridley's going to be important for them tomorrow. But I think also to add bonus or effect to it, you're also going to want to see a performance from the likes of uh, their main captains, O'Brien, uh, Mark Ellis tomorrow. You're going to need your strikers of Rodriguez, uh, Wooten. They don't have Roberts, unfortunately, who picked up that injury against Hartlepool. And for love nor money, he can't stay fit. And they need him this, at this time of the season. Um it's clear to see that they're going to depend a lot more on young Jimmy Knowles as well, who only 19. Yes, he scored his first professional hat-trick earlier this season against Woking. But it's clear to see that the, the guy has, he's young. You can't wholly depend on him. And I look at their team on Saturday. It, it's, it's, it starts me, it's stuck for me to, to see that large amount of quality in the team. And, they're not able to unite it, keep it strong, and find the best uh, find the best of a, of this great crop of players. They're by far league standard, but what they're lacking is the momentum, the form to be able to threaten the sides in the top half of the table. They can only make the playoffs if they take it seriously. But I, as I said, tomorrow it will be a, a much more different task than the one they had in October. Because Macro's side heading into this one really have have it, it's in their own hands. I think now they've been given uh, a lifeline by Hartlepool dropping points today, and it's a big lifeline at that because I don't think any of us expected them to lose a game between now and the end of the season. But for them, for probably to do it, incredible! It's incredible to even to even consider the next. In fact, the next week is huge. They've got today, tomorrow night against um, Ross County before. I won't say favourable home games because you never know, but they have games against sides near the bottom of the league in Weymouth and Woking. Woking, who are on a barren run at the moment, I think you. If I'm if I'm any any manager, I'd like to play them right now because they are struggling to find anything good at the present moment. Alan Dawson is not able to keep the team performing to a standard as they as I'm sure they have much loftier standards than the ones they have right now, particularly because they were doing well in the trophy this season. Could have been all their eggs into one basket before Hereford knocked them out. So that take, take that into consideration. Their poor form against a Weymouth team that 
despite languishing at the bottom of the table, gave Sutton a run for their money earlier this season, and they had to leave it late to use at Weymouth. This time around will be a different sort of game, a wholly, a wholly different sort of game. Maybe, though, they can see this as, I've said previously, as the opportunity to seize the race by the, the bull of the horse, the grab of the bull by the horns. They've got to take this opportunity because then after that, it doesn't get much easier for them. After Woking, it's, I believe, it should, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Maidenhead and then, if I just bear, just bear with you very quickly, it's Hardy Maidenhead. Pool, um, in, obviously, yeah, it's a huge clash. Oh, yes, it is. So, the next three in the next week or so are huge for Sutton, no matter what happens. And once we get after Maidenhead, I, they have a bad record at Maidenhead away from home traditionally, and uh, they've not won there in the time they've been in the National League. So that tells you something. But, uh, you know, omens, it could be good omens, who knows. Once they've gone over this particular hurdle, because these four games will literally fly by, when you get to the 22nd, the fans will be let back in. The game against Hartlepool holds weight greatly for what may happen between now and the end of the season. And that's even considering Stockport playing Torquay. So much is still to happen. There's still a, twi- a lot of twists and turns yet. But tomorrow night's game could be the first big moment for Sutton in this, comp- in this final stage of the season. They had that setback against Torquay. So now it's their opportunity tomorrow on their own. They've got no distractions this time. On their own to get the to take this promotion race by the horns and pull on to, that, to the goals. They need this badly, really badly. I look forward to it, and you're going to get my opinion on what may happen tomorrow. A bit more of it, stuff I haven't said on this show yet, in tomorrow's uh, Not the Night Extra. It's going to be more of a double-edged sword thing, a half, about 20-minute long show, where I talk in the first 10 minutes about what's going to happen before the game, and then a bit at half-time, and then a bit at the end for you guys to sample and experience what it's like for me as a commentator at these national league games so it's something unique especially with the stakes so high so close to the end of the season it's only right i give you a taste of what i deal with when it comes to this kind of year in the national league so stick with me tomorrow night after the game is done i will make sure tom gets this out and as soon as this is out i'll send you my my voice make it make it known out there as soon as after the national league game is done hopefully some decent review for you during halftime in the champions league i don't know whatever you do listen to it because it's going to be compelling listening but yeah not not, not a nice extra for me at the medellin tomorrow keep an eye out for that one so i'm already excited and thought of it but um before we get to tomorrow we do have to have a couple of big moments this weekend. Shamanga's hat trick, which is obviously star of the week because you've just clearly you give him the title there. Um, what else would you say? Who else would you say stood out for you this weekend? We already gave our award away, so well done to Kamongo. Who else for you stood out this weekend? Um, I'd say a key man in Dagenham's. Uh... Rise um, would be Paul McCallum up front, getting that double against Woking uh, this afternoon. I think he's got to be a, a very good shout in my eyes. And yeah, I, I think he's someone who I, I've really enjoyed watching for, for quite a number of years down in, in the National League. So I think he he's another one I, I'd put on par with uh, 
with Tishimanga. Um, certainly a, a standout players this weekend. Um, you know, he also struck uh, in the first half against Barnet as well. It's tough Barnet fact. You know, defence to break down. Simon Bassey's certainly got more organised. So I think he's he's another very good shout um, uh, for you know key player this weekend. I'd also say Alex Reed as well. Had a, had a for me a very good game um, for Stockport this afternoon at, uh, against Willstone, and I I think he's someone I, I I've really enjoyed watching uh, for Stockport as well. I think he's one of the examples of someone Stockport have got that. You know, could really do well and excel in the football league. You know, with you know his previous experience, he's got involved with you know football league clubs, example like Fleetwood and and Stevenage. But he could also look at the fact that he hasn't quite had that chance to push forward. So, yeah, great to see Alex Alex Reed doing well. You know, he's had to come down play for. A lot of non-league clubs. He's had a lot of loan spells um, as well. Files, Evsley, Dagenham in in recent uh, years. So yeah, huge credit to Alex Reedy, and he's he certainly contributed a, a lot to Stockport's promotion push, in particular, obviously this weekend. Great performances from all involved. Uh, I can't believe we, we spoke about the start of the show, but I think uh, Jordan Haig deserves a shout out. Great, mm. great performance for Concord against Harrogate today, albeit coming up short in the in the end. But that, that if you need an example of a a, a, a perfect goalkeeping goalkeeping performance in a major final, especially at non-league level, you look no further than him. He has his own goalkeeping brand. He wears his own gloves. Damn it! So he serves. He served the club well today, and he deserves all the plaudits he gets for a fantastic performance for uh, for Concord this evening. It's a shame, obviously, it led to the result that he did, but his exceptional performance, I think he deserves a, a shout-out from me and you, Tom, for that one. So, Amazing. obviously, our star of the week is Kabonga Shimanga for the hat-trick against Kings Lynn, and he's now moved up to 17 goals in National League, keeping Michael Chico honest. But then again, if you miss from six yards in games, you do often kind of wonder, I now know why my goal tally doesn't go up so much. So, Michael Cheek will certainly be sleeping with one eye open this evening. At the thought of Andy Woodman possibly lambing him with a baton or something. I don't know. But um, that, I think, is as much uh, of the pod as we've got for you this week. But obviously, it's, I'd like to, for me, it's part one. For Tom and I as a duo, we'll end it here tonight. We've done a great job as always, Tom, and you've been fantastic. It was good to be reunited with him again this weekend uh, on our commentary role over at uh, over at our club. So we're happy to uh, happy to be back at it, and we'll see you again on Saturday, Tom. Brilliant stuff, yeah. I think now it's uh, it's the real crunch time this season, and yeah, it's a nice little twist to Hayes Lane today. Um, I'll tell you what, won't be surprised. If there's a, another one. Um, it's you know, I'll be going in the favour of Torquay tomorrow night. Um, I totally think it's going to be a great battle. But again, more great games that we'll talk about uh, next week. I, I'm I'm expecting you know teams to really fancy their chances. Uh, you know, with, with nothing to lose now in this league, I, I think everyone's going to want to have a, a hit at the the you know the big four now. <laughs> You know, uh, as obviously the table uh, certainly suggests. So, 
yeah, uh, great uh, being reunited uh, as well, Ahmed, uh, on this pod. I haven't done it for, with you for a couple of weeks. I've seen person as well. So, yeah, uh, great doing it. Uh, I can't wait for, uh, you know, another good week of uh, National League football. Um, I, I certainly think we're going to have a lot of drama to talk about on the next podcast. Fantastic, as always. Tom, thank you very much, mate. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure those who listened in as well are appreciative of your excellent contributions as ever. So, as I uh, say, so that's it from us. Until next week, we hope you, you know, stay safe out there and get excited. May the 17th is coming. That's the day fans are back in ground. So, the sooner we get there, the better. And trust me, me and Tom will think of the first place to go to to watch a game of football the minute the restrictions ease. Because we miss being fans, not just being the privileged few that are able to cover games behind closed doors. We're definitely excited to be able to go back and watch just good old non-league football with people who care about their local clubs. And we may even capture one or two thoughts in, in the near future. So do keep an eye out on that one. Um, as I've said already this evening, keep an eye out for mine, not the 92 extra. Mine, it's just me, at Meadow Lane tomorrow night with Sutton United's trip to Notts County in a crucial tie for the promotion hunt and in the playoff race for both sides. Lots at stake and plenty of plot twist stories. It won't be a long podcast. It's going to be just half an hour of what you hear from me before the game, me of how I have my thoughts on it at half time, and at the end, where I'll try to capture a word or two with Ian Birchall as well as Matt Gray. So hopefully you can clasp at straws if you can for a little bit, because we will definitely be back next week with another show to cover the wide scale madness of the National League playoff and promotion race and cover all the more of the big news in football. But uh, apart from that, take care, everybody. If you do want to keep up with us, obviously we're currently observing a social media boycott, but it should be by the end of today uh, lifted. If you do want to keep up with us, tweet us at not92pod, nt92pod. Uh, same on, on Instagram, but there's underscore between nt92 and pod. And you can check us if you want to ask us any questions or add any thoughts on what we've talked about today. Please hit us up on our email at podcast at not92.com. That's the correct email. I need to remember to say that every single podcast there. But other than that, everyone, God bless everybody. Take care. And if you don't know now, now you know. Till the next one. Bye-bye, everyone.